Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, that is, 1 Corinthians. We read chapter 5. Now, last uh, session about 1 Corinthians, we read chapter 5, where Paul really got onto them for some immorality that was going on and uh, told them to basically remove the wicked one from among them. So, he didn't want that to spoil the whole congregation, you know, having someone doing those types of things. Now here he's going to go into chapter 6, he's going to go into a couple of other issues and problems, um, which some of this could almost sound like modern day. You could understand why this teaching is here, because that, it could apply at any time. <clears throat> so, um, Let's see, so the first uh, first half is going to be about a number of, well, no, it's mainly going to be, well, you know what, let's just read it. <clears throat> I've kind of, you know, been pre-reading and studying, but uh, let's just read it and go through it together. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Does any one of you, when he has a complaint, civil dispute with another believer, dare to go to law before unrighteous men instead of placing the issue before the saints, God's people? And the issue, the complaint that he's talking about is, you know, maybe it's a uh, not a criminal matter, but it's maybe it's a civil claim or a, like a small claims type of thing or, you know, some issue like that. Um, so he says, does any of you, when he has a complaint, has a dispute, will another believer dare to go to law before unrighteous men, non-believers, instead of placing the issue before the saints, God's people. Do you not know that the saints, God's people, will one day judge the world? If the world is to be judged by you, are you not competent to try trivial, insignificant, petty cases? And just means, you know, that we should try to solve these things within you know, especially between Christians, we should try to resolve these things within the church when we can. We should, you know, maybe we could draw up a little panel and get some people together and, and discuss whatever the issue is and, and try to get it worked out. Especially in the these older days, that would really make sense. Nowadays, there's a lot of laws about a lot of things, so there probably wouldn't be a lot to dispute. Back then, I could understand there would have been more. So, I'm going to continue on. Do you not know that we believers will judge angels? How much more, then, as to the matters of this life? So, if you have lawsuits dealing with matters of this life, are you appointing those as judges to hear disputes who are of no account in the church? In other words, you're, you know, you're using unbelieving non-believers to, to judge this dispute. Well, what if the dispute is somehow connected to your faith? I mean, they would not know how to handle that properly. So it could be bad. Um, anyway, going to continue on. Uh, verse 5. I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is not one wise man among you who is governed by integrity and will be able and competent to decide private disputes between his fellow believers? But instead, brother goes to law against brother, and that before judges who are unbelievers? So basically he's saying this should not happen. And he's going to go on. 
there's there's some more about this, but this should not happen. If if you do have such a dispute, you should be able to try to work that out with your brother. But if you really have trouble, maybe you could go to an elder or someone in the church that would, you know, be able to settle that dispute amicably and, and in a better way. Verse 7. Why the very fact that you have lawsuits with one another is already a defeat. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, it is you who wrong and defraud, and you do this even to your brothers and sisters. The very fact that they had lawsuits, that they had these disputes among one another, that was already a defeat. And it is, if you think about it. How could two Christians who should be loving and caring and looking out for one another have these types of issues? Because we should always want to, you know, God's love is not like human love. We should always be looking out to the betterment, you know, what, what helps and makes things better for the other person. That's God's love. He's looking out for your betterment, for what, what helps you, what is best for you, what is helpful to you. And it's in an unselfish way. It's not in what, what helps you, but, but helps me. It's, it's what helps the other person. You know, in some disputes, maybe you, I don't know, let's say it's a little land dispute or something, you say, well, this, this land would really help that other person, so um, I'm not going to have that dispute. I'm going to say, there, you, you have that land, that is yours then. You know, I, just, I will just cede that, I will just give that over to you. You know, that type of thing, that would be what we would want to do, you know. Um, that would be the best option. And then maybe the dispute should be more like both of you are going, no, I want you to have it. No, I want you to have it. You know, maybe that's what it really should be with a Christian. You know, <laughs> with Christians, that's how it should be. Um, anyway, going to move on. Just saying we shouldn't have these disputes. All right, so we are. There we go. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And then he's going to list this. He's going to give us a list of a bunch of sinners, okay? Uh, of sinning lifestyles or sinning practices, really. Um, and we should not be doing any of these, but let's, let's get this whole thing going. So I'm going to go back. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor perversely effeminate, nor homosexuals, <clears throat> nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, whose words are used as weapons to abuse, insult, humiliate, intimidate, or slander, nor swindlers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. Those actions, those are all sins, those are all horrible, we should not be doing any of those, and we, we cannot be those things. And yet in the very next verse he says, And such were some of you before you believed. And such were some of you. We were, we were all these things. I mean, you know, and maybe some of us weren't all of these things, but we were uh, to a large part these things. It's so easily to accidentally be 
an idolater because we make things in our human world idols without realizing it. We put them in front of God. Um, sexually immoral is very extremely easy in this society nowadays. Um, you know, adulterers are easy. You know, it's easy. Um, thieves, and I guess in different ways we could steal and take things, I suppose, and revilers and drunkards. All these things are easy. And, and he says, and such were some of you before you believed. But you were washed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. You were sanctified, set apart for God and made holy. You were justified, declared free of guilt in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of our God, the source of the believer's new life and changed behavior. So just really wants to take this in that Paul is talking to them and he's saying, you know, the unrighteous are not going to inherit or have a share in the kingdom of God. And he says, do not be deceived. And he lists off all these horrible things that we do as people. Okay, we do these things. And then he says, and such were some of you. But we're not to be counting ourselves among that. Even though we make mistakes and we do sin still, and we do still do things that we know are wrong. Okay, but we keep going to God for asking for forgiveness. We keep working and trying to improve ourselves. And we keep trying to not do those things. Okay, that's that's key is that we repent and we keep working at it and keep trying. Don't give up. Then we are sanctified. We're set apart for God and we're made holy. We're justified through Jesus. Through Jesus Christ we are justified. And the Holy Spirit of God is in us, helping us make these changes, helping us learn what we need to learn and do what we need to do. and helping us to change our life and change our behavior. Alright, so so he really gives them down the road here, that's what we would say. He really gives it to them, hear about the lawsuits and how they shouldn't be this way towards one another, and then, then he gives them this list of stuff that they shouldn't be doing, they shouldn't be doing any of that. Now he's going to move on to some of the same and something different at the same time. So you'll, you'll see what I mean. <clears throat> Verse 12. Everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. If you think about it in the world, you know, like all anything you would eat is okay, is permissible. Anything you would drink is okay, but is it beneficial? Not everything is beneficial. Some things are detrimental. So everything is permissible for me, but I have, but I will not be enslaved by anything and brought under its power, allowing it to control me. Food is for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will do away with both of them. So he doesn't let food rule him, whereas I have a little bit of a tummy and you could probably, well, pretty big tummy, but you could uh, say that I probably indulge a little too much in food. That would be a fair statement. I would not, you know. Not argue. The body is not intended for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body to save, sanctify, and raise it again because of the sacrifice of the cross. And God has not only raised the Lord to life, but will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Am I therefore to take the members of Christ and make them part of a prostitute? 
Corinth had a lot of prostitutes, and they had a lot of uh, prostitutes with those uh, temples of Aphrodite. I'm not sure how that all worked out. I'm not familiar with all those practices, but um, there was a lot about that, and I think uh, those prostitutes were kind of freely there for the taking. I, I'm sure that you paid or gave something, but I mean, you know what I mean. <clears throat> anyway, so he says, Am I therefore to take the members of Christ and make them part of a prostitute? Certainly not. Do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, The two shall be one flesh. But the one who is united and joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run away from sexual immorality in any form, whether thought or behavior, whether visual or written. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the one who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have received as a gift from God, and that you are not your own property? You were bought with a price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. So then, honor and glorify God with your body. So definitely, he is saying that we should refrain from any sexual immorality. I mean, end of story. I mean, he's saying refrain from any immorality. Do not join up with any prostitute or anything like that. And, um, you know, run away. <laughs> I think that's so good. Run away from sexual immorality. Just just flee. Just run away. And sometimes that's how, um, this is going to sound kind of weird, sometimes that's how I feel you you're, you know, you're trying to research something, or maybe you're trying to watch something, and all of a sudden, something unexpected occurs, maybe you, you know, something, um, well, you can be watching something and think it's fairly innocent, or flipping the channels on your TV, even, and accidentally see more than you bargained for, or more than you wanted to see, and, um, and even if it's not truly, you know, pornographic, it could still just be more than what you wanted to see, and, um, <clears throat> You know, I mean, I, then it's like, oh, you know, you just try to look away and keep changing the channel or whatever you're doing. You know, you try to move away from it. Um, if you accidentally do a, there are some searches on the internet that if you accidentally do them slightly wrong, you can get results you did not want. And I'm sure a lot of people have seen that. And it's like, well, okay, you know, thank the Lord for the uh, the filters that you can put on your searches so that you don't see. But in the past, those filters did not exist the way they do now. I do appreciate those filters because you can you can use those to filter out those results. Um, anyway, so um, and he says that is a sin against our own body, and that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, because the, the Holy Spirit is within us, who we received as a free gift from God. And we are not our own property. Jesus has bought us with his blood. He, he bought us from sin and Satan by, by giving his blood and his life for us. So we should honor and glorify God with our bodies. And that means we should try to keep them pure and clean and holy for God. All right. So um, this is all about, really all about uh, some bad behavior and us not doing these things, okay? Or do you look at that as 
having disputes with other Christians or fleeing the sexual immorality. This has all been some bad stuff that he is discouraging. And thank goodness for that. We should discourage that. So this has been First First Corinthians chapter 6. Well, thank you for listening. I hope, uh, hope it has been useful to you. Remember to stay safe out there in this crazy world. And uh, watch out for others as well. And remember that God loves you.